Hello and welcome to episode six of the Botcast, a music podcast. Uh, I'm one host. I'm the other. <laughs> so we've got we've got a ton of music to talk about as per usual, but this is sort of like a preamble to a second recording that we're going to do later on this month yeah. because there's just so much to catch up with to get to the end of September, basically. Um, so, yeah, I think we're just going to have to talk about all the the big standouts and the big stinkers yeah. from August. Like, sort of August yeah, in August a to... very early September because at yes. this point, early but... September has managed to bring... Some interest in records. Yeah. There's been a few that I just listened to last night. Um... <laughs> We'll get into that, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I think one that we both listened to that I thought was actually like above average for this genre, because we know at this point we're working on that knowledge that I am not a particularly strong dance fan. I don't like EDM that much. But Blank Mass uh, came out with Animated Violence Mild. Yeah, another one of those garbage nonsense titles well, that that's, he that, always has. That's a reference to you know they used to have it on eighties video games, didn't they? Oh, okay. All oh, right. Okay, so it's like a, a rundown of content. Yeah. Like yeah. okay, fair enough. That makes sense. Okay. Which is sort of informs the record, really. Um, <laughs> it's I really liked it. It's great. It is. It's very good. It's it's engaging in a way that good EDM can only be, where it's fucking loud and abrasive. It's nasty. Yeah. It's got it's, real... It's a banger fist. <laughs> yeah. It's like not one moment does it feel like he's phoning anything in. It's all yeah. really, really muscular. Seven bangers or eight bangers yeah. and you're done. Yeah. It's great. It's really all you need when it comes to that sort of stuff. And like, it's not... It's not IDM. It's not intelligent dance music. It's <laughs> no. very much brutal, just thumping. Yeah. Uh, crunching. I would even describe parts of it. I don't know what his sound is. I don't and, know, yeah. But it's like, there's something brittle to it. Like, it's made of glass. and, yes, and But yeah. not in a way that makes it, like, fragile and delicate sounding. It's brittle in a way that it feels like it's going to hurt you. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's fucking loud. Yeah. It's more abrasive than anything he did with fuck buttons. And that's saying something, because um, fuck buttons is loud and oh, obnoxious and I, too. Oh, I loved fuck buttons. Fuck buttons fuck is a great buttons band. Great. Um, but this is, yeah, it's just nasty, horrible record. Yeah. Um, and it does that great thing. Um, you know, you know, sometimes dance music fell into uh, a trap. Even the best dance bands fell into this trap where they f- they fought to go heavy. I'm gonna get some new metal guitars on this. Yeah. There's there's a little bit of. Instru- sort of almost metalish instrumentation on this mm. but mostly it's just you just make the beats as huge <laughs> as possible like where where the prodigy fell down in the later records was that they thought we'll put on this sort of new metal like, yeah. over the top whereas those later records where they're trying to be heavier mm-hmm. are less heavy than <laughs> Fat of the Land is just based on the beefiness of the beats yeah or music for the jilted generation is still the heaviest record they made mm-hmm. and it's the least 
sort of enthralled to mid two thousands pish metal, <laughs> or like that sort of nineties yeah. punk aesthetic that sort of informed Fat of the Land a lot more. Yes, yeah, and and we'll get into Static X later <laughs> in the video. Yeah, so he, this this album avoids the sort of it's a cliche now but oh we'll get heavy on a dance record yeah let's just put in heavy metal <laughs> i'm looking at you pendulum yeah oh my god it's like oh we're heavy we've got the guy for in flames featuring on one of the songs <sighs> oh no oh no it's, it's, yeah, how about you eat the entire ams but <laughs> <laughs> this this record is apparently it's about consumerism I can see that. I can, I can see that. The bloody apple and stuff like that yeah, on the cover. Yeah, sort of like jingly bits going on in the background, mm. like almost like advert jingles. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's it's not one for your granny, that's record. No. It's heavy uh, and nasty. The thing is, though, we've basically not really said anything negative about this record, so I don't really understand why it's not like really up there for both of us, only that... I think he's made better stuff in the past. Yeah. And well, maybe, I yeah. think that maybe it's just, it feels, ugh, there's something disposable about it. And maybe that's by, Aye. maybe that's by design because maybe, of that yeah. whole, like that sort of consumerism kind of capitalist sort of undertones yeah. kind of shit going on. Maybe there is it's a little a quick bit fix of fix And then it's, yeah. it's away. Maybe there's something to do with that. Cause it doesn't feel like the kind of record where I'm like, that blew me away. I'm going to listen to it every day. I I re- I think I liked it maybe a little more than you. I I, I think this is my favorite of his solo stuff. Okay. I don't know if I like it as much as the last uh, fuck buttons record, mm. but it's a different sort of beast. Yeah. Um. I think this one could be a grower for me. Um. It's not my album of the month, mm. but it could be subsequently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Um, it's it's just noisy, noisy, noise, noise. <laughs> and it's it's got this nice, almost sort of retro. There's a lot of albums actually this month that have a sort of retro aesthetic, at least what I've heard. Mm. And this one... It doesn't become obnoxious. It's got a sort of eighties synthy video game noises through it, but it doesn't feel clawing. You know, it's yeah. it's it's sort of use. It's sort of used to illustrate the the point of the record, I guess, mm-hmm. about sort of disposableness of uh, consumerism and the rest of it. But yeah, absolute banger. <laughs> I really liked it. Uh, it could it could. Uh, in time get up there in my list maybe yeah okay so uh, I'll do this one real quick there's a really good little record out this month by a band called Sheer Mag okay uh, and the album's called A Distant Call like the Blank Mass record it has a sort of retro aesthetic mm-hmm. um, this time it's sort of dealing with sort of noodly soft rock and uh, I guess sort of power pop sort of sort of 80s balladry hair metal type stuff mm. but what it does is instead of having that sort of macho posturing of, of that type of genre instead 
it's a female vocalist and all the songs are about the migrant crisis or uh, socialism <laughs> or you know not being able to have it being unemployed and the rest so there's a lot of sort of social ills mm. very sort of left-leaning um and interest in social injustices and it's great it's good it's good record it's fun <laughs> the the lyrics and the subject matter is heavy uh and can be depressive but it's powered along on this very sort of popular or sort of poppy sounding sort mm-hmm. of hair metally sort of good old boys good fun <laughs> uh so it's it's a it's a strange record um just in terms of it, it shouldn't really gel mm-hmm. the sort of messaging and the the sort of musicianship of it somehow it does <laughs> uh and it's really worth a listener so it's good good record i would say okay it's and- sort of if you're into your sort of shouty punky stuff uh, this is another good one. It's 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 the last episode we talked about. Um, oh god, what were they called? Mannequin Pussy, mm-hmm. where the music sort of fitted the the subject matter more. So the subject matter there was also sort of more bleak. Yeah, but the music was more abrasive. Whereas this one still has the sort of. Um, it's less. I, I guess it's it's about this album is sort of like about global tragedies or global injustices, and then filtered through a sort of individual level. Okay. So you could have the migrant crisis or lack of affordable jobs, and then you would have on this this same record how it's affecting a person individually. So, mm-hmm. but the actual music is sort of uplifting and enjoyable on a real sort of stupid level (laughs) just sort of like it's like a marxist journey record (laughs) you know it's so it's good it's good record i really liked it okay okay because i like I, i hadn't really I don't think I've really ever heard anything by Sheer Mag before. I think this is the second. Because like I saw this making waves, record. like I saw people talking about this, and I it's was like, good. It's good. That's pretty cool. I still haven't even gotten around to listen to that Mannequin Pussy album. I should have. Speaking of uh, like left wing leaning um, metal or like just music in general, did yeah. you know Neck- Neckbeard Death Camp have more music out oh, this year? They? Yeah. Oh, very good. I actually followed him on Twitter as well. He's a really he's funny. Oh, he does stuff. he does like left super lefty anarcho memes. All right. Like he does like daft memes about like uh Nazi metal All right. and how they're like they try and sneak into the scene and how basically like Neckbeard Death Camp and bands like them are trying to like annihilate Nazis from the, the black okay, metal yeah, scene yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. It's like I kinda like I like That's this cool. guy. I like this That's aesthetic cool. and I like this uh this sort of this grassroots movement of trying to make metal left again. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which it's is always nice. had a difficult um there's always been a difficulty with metal and its political allegiances. Yeah. It's sort of it should on certain levels it should be a sort of lefty sort of musical genre, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's forged in factories in the north of England. And it's about how shit life is and you got no fucking jobs. 
but then it floats over to America where they have guns. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, there's a certain, I don't wish to generalize, <laughs> but certainly um, there's a lot of new metal fans that have caused 2019 to be the year that it is. Yes, yeah, if, you can definitely if feel it. You new metal fans of the 90s had not registered to vote, <laughs> we wouldn't be in the situation we are. <laughs> there, there's definitely, you can tell, a lot of people that used to be proper old school, like new metal type moshers, like yeah. in the Limp Biscuit and stuff like that, who probably have probably become full alt right weirdos. Yeah. That duality video where all the smelly teenagers <laughs> smash up the house, that's what they've done to democracy. <laughs> By, by voting, um. <laughs> I know we're 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 living in a weird time just now where left wingers value democracy so much we don't want to that vote. we don't want it anymore <laughs> <laughs> because people are so fucking thick and people are so full of hate that I'm like I don't trust these people to vote for anything. Yeah, this isn't fair. How Scary. can we get to live in their world? Scary times. Yeah, yeah. But that aside, I uh, yeah. Um, I have, I have one that like I mean I think I'm alone in listening to this one. Maybe in the entire fucking country of the UK, okay, because it's all one country. Remember, united we're better united. Um, Killswitch Engage Atonement is another Killswitch Engage album. It's it's 2019, and metalcore is dead, but oh. <laughs> Killswitch Engage rattle on regardless the the wheels are falling off the the metalcore wagon but somehow they're still trundling along and it is absolutely truly a kill switch engage record that's pretty much all i have to say about it other than it would have been the pig stinker of the month were it not for another record which we'll talk about later but I know you don't really have a frame of reference for metalcore because you didn't really enjoy any metalcore. I was not metalcore. a fan. I did get taken to see Kill Switch Engage. Yes, um, as supported and, by Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, uh, and I don't remember the concert. Neither um, do I, actually, and I like the band. Um, I don't remember a goddamn thing about it, and I can thoroughly say at this point that I still enjoy like the first three Kill Switch Engage records, but... It's not going to be something that I put on on the reg, and I realise that they're a bit shit. Mm -hmm. And everything that they've made past, uh, oh, what was it called? As Daylight Dies, maybe the album was called. Anything past that, I thought was shit. Um, and all it made me want to do was go back and listen to their old stuff, and it made me want to go back and listen to old Thirty Six Crazy Fists, which were also a great metalcore band. But again, they've been trundling along, pushing out absolute mediocrity for years now. They had three beasts in in the sort of two thousands into the early twenty tens, yeah. and they've done nothing since. And that's exactly what's happened with Kill Switch Engage, just releasing absolute nothing records that do nothing for anyone. So, is it a bad record? It, it's good if you like metalcore that ha that doesn't sound like it's changed at all in like a decade. Okay, that's it. That's all I can say. It's like it's not a bad record if you are afraid of change. <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> well, I was thinking um, it's been a while since I listened to a record that I wouldn't have listened to normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time would have been probably the Aria Grande mm-hmm. album. So I thought this month I'm going to listen to someone I know is popular, but I've never really listened to. Uh, so I listened to the new Lana Del Rey record mm. called Norman Norman fucking Rockwell. Um, for the un- uninitiated, uh, Lana Del Rey is sort of, I guess, sort of swoony balladry, Americana, sort of surfer rocky type music. You know, yeah. it's very, very sort of, we're living in California in the 60s. There's a certain beach boysness to it, but she is um, very deadpan. Yeah. All the vocals and seem to have a certain dissatisfied quality to it. Yeah. Um, Sort of, you can tell she's a big Twin Peaks fan. (laughs) It's like, oh, Americana. And then, but there's there's an underside to it. Yeah, like her her um, music is like the black mirror of yeah. Americana. Where it's like, what if Americana, but secretly, guess what, guys? America's bad, yeah? Yeah. Like, like that I, kind of stuff. I didn't mind the record. I thought it was okay. Um, it's definitely... Uh, her songs definitely fit a type. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll be... She's got a very poor taste in men, according <laughs> to the... the uh, the songs you know, everybody's a, a waster mm. or a sort of uh, sort of small time criminal or a, a sort of she needs a bartender to look after her and these sorts of things sort of so she's into sort of the bad boys right and it's just sort of this general wistfulness about living in the sun mm. uh and a sort of underclass that she sort of swims through um some of the lyrics are quite funny. Some of it's quite witty and clever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I quite liked it. It's it's not my favourite record of the month. Um, and there's too much of it. It's about, nine, it's about 70 minutes long. And a lot of it is sort of piano-led, balladry, and her tone of voice doesn't really change much in the record. Hmm. But seeing that, it is, it is good. There's there's little flourishes of sort of electronica that go on in some of the tracks, and, and definitely some of the songs are better than... I think the singles have been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's one called Venice Bitch that goes on for about nine minutes, but it's actually sort of works in a strange way. I think I've heard that one. Um... There's, and there's a couple of other sort of the big the big sort of single releases have actually all been really well picked. Uh, some of the other album tracks are sort of just more of the same. Yeah. So what she does is quite good in some ways, but it was just too similar. Like I could have used some more variety on the record. That's kind of her um, MO, though, because I listened to that album that Video Games is on. Oh, yeah, like, that's that, like the first one it's or like, something. Uh, it's or... her first one, and honestly, she hasn't changed the way that she does okay. things in so many albums at this point, whatever. Was she on album three or four at this point? Yeah. It's like, 
I, I couldn't distinguish a big, big difference between the start point and where she is now. Yeah. It sort of feels like, I get it, she's accomplished and like I think it's like she makes decent music, yes, but it's, I'm, it's I'm, so maybe much I'm of the a, same yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's sort of, I don't know if I could go to a concert, let's say, mm. and pick out, oh, that, that, that's a song. That's, <laughs> that's a song I've heard. I've definitely heard all the songs, but they all sound the same. Uh, and this is coming from... Somebody that can listen to, you know, <laughs> and that's that's becoming our fucking go-to catchphrase at this point. It's like, and we like drone metal. And we like drone metal. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but this is it's not it's not boring, really. Um, it's a bit it's boring. Of, it's sort of the the the, pe- the pictures she paints with her lyrics are quite clever and quite quite uh, evocative. It's very cinematic. Mm-hmm. I think she has a good lyricist uh just the music the musicality to it i could use a bit more punch occasionally mm-hmm. everything is very laconic and deadpan and oh it's almost like looking at these sort of characters or situations at a distance yeah you're sort of being held at arm's length um and i could use a little more gusto i mm. guess but yeah it's pretty good Four farts out of seven. Um, three, fa- three farts out of five. See, I, I went to seven there because initially I said four and I meant to say three. This happens, kids, when you get older. You think of one number, but you say another. I was thinking a three out of five, but I said a four, so I thought, well, it's not a four out of five, so I'm going to have to go four out of seven. But... If you want to cut this all down to me just going three farts out of five, it's definitely three farts out of five. <laughs> cool. I mean, yeah, I can't. I, I'm. I, I'm not really gonna go. It's definitely the best record I've ever heard by her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's outdone herself with like, she's went from completely ho hum to not as ho hum, and that's an accomplishment. It's actually to. The, to, to give her some credit, it was interesting enough that I would be like, I would listen to the next record. Mm. I'd listen to the next record, see if there was any change there, if she can keep the sort of clever lyricism and just have a little more variety in the music. Could be a solid album. Could be really good. Yeah. Um, so there you go, Lana. Give me another record next time. <laughs> Uh, with a little more variety, and you'll be my pick of the month. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I dipped my toe in the uh, the SLP. It's the SLP by the SLP, and it's the solo project of the guitarist for Kasabian. Ser- oh, right, Serge, yeah. uh, Serge Pazario or whatever the fuck his name is. It's his side project. Okay. And it's kind of exactly what you would expect from someone who's the guitarist for Kasabian. Uh-huh. His voice is not good and he's still rocking a Paul Weller like mod hairdo. Yeah. And it's 2019. Uh like he's got buffoned hair and the and the the absolutely shitey stinky fashion sense and and the music is 
<laughs> you just got me with shite. It was. I wasn't expecting shite. Um, I'm, I'm really. I'm, I'm not performing at the top level of insults, really. I think shite is the best I'm going to come away with right now. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, he, he made. He made a record that's more electronic and mm-hmm. more like sort of acoustic-y. Something that's a little bit less stadium rock and more like you know the the kind of nice electronic uh aspects the the first Kasabian record had. Oh yeah, that first record's great. Yeah, yeah that first record's amazing. They've not been able to top it like yeah. since and it's been a long career for them. But like he made he has made this album a really really bland pop record uh but with those nice oh, little right. bits of electronic mixed in that sound okay sometimes and like i'm not gonna say i'll listen to the whole thing i, I eventually switched it off so i got bored um but it's definitely not one of the worst things i've ever heard it's just not that interesting so that was that was the one i dipped my toe in the most i'd say uh-huh. well we've we've come to the part of the podcast oh love well, I pick a record that is so strange, it, it's going to take John probably a day to find the album artwork. Uh, this is a band called Tenari Win, I think that is. Uh, and the, the album's called Amadjar, and they are a North Mali band. Uh, I, think they're, I think they're sort of Sahara sort of base they you know mm. they live out in the desert uh sort of nomadic type lifestyle um and it's sort of scuzzy desert rock okay but more sort of um it's is sort of african rock music they've been going since like the 70s uh in some one form or another um so there's older members of the band and younger guys that they've brought in uh, I think they're a nine piece and it's just sort of scuzzy rock uh, that's pretty cool um, and they are their guests on the album are quite impressive mm. um, they've got Warren Ellis from oh. Bad Seeds nice. so the sort of the more sort of Islamic sort of desert inspired uh, sort of musicness uh, will then be taken over by uh, sort of interesting sort of violin solos and mm. it's, it's it's really quite interesting and varied and they get different vocalists in and they've got Stephen O'Malley from Sun and it's just cool it's just pretty cool record it's just <laughs> like um, sort of I like desert rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I like stuff like Sleep and Caius. But this is literally desert rock. <laughs> it's it's not it's not metally mm-hmm. at all. It is very scuzzy with the production. Um, but it's more hypnotic uh, and it's more sort of tuned into, you know. The sort of sparseness of the desert. It's like hmm. uh, the wind blowing across the dunes. <laughs> uh, so if if that sounds like it's up your street, 
mm-hmm. uh, I'd recommend it. It's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, the other one I had, unless you've got one in between. No, no. Uh, the other one I had is there has been a hotly anticipated by some <laughs> uh, remastering or, or remake, I guess, of a previously lost Miles Davis All right. record. Um, Miles Davis, legendary jazz musician, been dead about 28 years. There was some recordings that he made in 1985 and they've been remade with other guest vocalists, but most of his musicianship has survived and they've released it and it's called Rubber Band. Um, Because it's Miles Davis from 1985, it is more pop orientated than the purists would like mm-hmm. um, and that's my sort of fault with it. I, I do like Miles Davis, I, I like the rockier stuff I like sort of late 60s through the 70s sort of Bitches Brew and On a Corner, uh, the Jack Johnson soundtrack That they're all sort of what I like and then what he did in the 80s was he was the most commercially successful he ever was but it became sort of sub prince right so that's sort of so and and this record is like that it's it's his some of the musicianships on it's really interesting his solos are great on a couple of the tracks but it basically sounds like sort of prince imitations Mm. or like sort of sub james brown funk so it's one for the completists it's not a bad record it's an interesting curio but it's not a lost masterpiece or anything okay it's just they've had the warner brothers have had these tapes lying about for 28 years (laughs) and they've went well let's put it out um you know sometimes you get a decent lost record i think the 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 john coltrane Mm -hmm. sort of lost record from last year was very good um but because Miles Davis's career is so long and varied, typically if you're going to get something from the eighties, for me it's not up my street. Yeah, uh, I'd I'd have, I've preferred some sort of an album that was lost from a decade beforehand. It's not a bad record. It's just for the completists entirely. It's you know. My dad's a big Miles Davis fan. I'm going to tell him don't bother. Because <laughs> I know he'll hate it. <laughs> um, so, there you go. Yeah, Fair enough. Um, and I think we'll probably now get on to the ones that we've both listened to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could just want to do King Gizzard. Because other than King Gizzard, the only other thing I have to talk about is Ginger. Ginger, yeah. yeah. So, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard with infest the rat's nest their second album of this year yeah very prolific band five albums in 2017 alone that's it's it absolutely is the definition of quantity over quality like i have never been interested in this band Mm -hmm. before because it's just too much yeah and i do think that a lot of their stuff just starts to all blend into one long song for me okay but this record is like it's a thrash record it's great it's cool yeah. it came out of nowhere and like it sort of feels like they really tried to shake it up a bit I know that yeah. it wasn't the one Fishing for Fishies the one before this wasn't it a bit more mellow Fishing for Fishies in 
April, I think, of this year. Mm -hmm. I don't think we talk. We didn't get to talk about it. It's it's no. sort of that's more sort of glam stompy okay so like every single album they do they seem to be setting themselves a task in terms of what we're gonna do uh a different sort of take on a genre so yeah. fishing for fishes was sort of glam stomp sort of with a little bit of sort of bluesy folk i guess it's yeah. pretty good it's, it's all right um but this one's a much better record yeah this one is not if if you say it's metal People think it's it's sort of modern metal, but it's actually more in line with sort of almost proto metal, like the earliest yeah. thrash metal, like mm -hmm. early eighties, even sort of British new wave of heavy metal. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they're fans of that music and they know how to do it really well. Yeah, it's actually a really good record. It's my album of the month. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a shock to the system. Wow, yeah, okay. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> um it just it just reminded me of like a really good old school uh Iron Maiden record or like the first sort of Slayer records that you would get. <laughs> um it's just beefy, it doesn't overstate its welcome. And I you know, I, I quite like I with King Gizzard um i quite like them but i've never got overly infused about them mm -hmm. it's like the albums are interesting i thought um i can't remember what's it called nonagon was great yeah um and some of the records of 2017 were pretty cool but this is like the best thing they've ever put out yeah so this this would be my album of the month um just in terms of pure enjoyment yeah i just it's infectious and it's a really sort of cool, weird concept. Mm. Like it's a dying planet, yeah, sort of post-apocalyptic, mm. and it's sort of nature. I admire this band's yeah. like uh, the, their attention to detail and yes, the sheer yeah. amount of like. There's a definite vibe of creative exuberance off of them, where it's just like they revel in making stuff. Yeah, and that's why they put out so much shit every day, every year. Um, it's because they're just they're making stuff constantly, and yes, they've always yeah. got, as you say, they've always got an idea in mind or an aesthetic in mind, like yeah, a genre like, that they want to tackle. Like the next record will not sound like this record. Oh all. no, no, it'll probably come out in two days. <laughs> and, and that's probably why else. this is so captivating because yeah. it feels like it came completely out of left field for them. Yeah, but they nailed it, and it's a lot of fun. And it's been a long, long time since you heard a thrash record. Yeah, like, like, like a good like thrash that record. sort of thrash record. Yeah. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I um, think I probably. I mean, it's not my album of the month by oh, any stretch, but we know what your album of the yeah, month is. But if I you do... listened to the last episode, <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, honestly, uh, I will say this though. It is obvious what my album of the month is, but there's another record that I could yeah. talk about for fucking days as well. Oh yes, I, I know that. I, I think adored. I could do the same with this next record. Yeah, you'll be talking about uh, Ginger. Yes, I'm guessing. Brockhampton's Brock Ginger. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, yeah, it really is something. Um, I sort of. I'm not as we discussed in the last episode. You're either a Brockhampton zealot or you like them uh -huh. and that's about it and i used to be i liked them and yeah. that was about it and now you're a zealot and now i'm a zealot the, yeah. uh, that ginger 
has turned me into a it's zealot. Great. It's yeah. an astounding record because it not only it not only has that little the little undercurrent of fun and like sort of yeah. electric sort of like sort of, I don't know the energy that you yeah, get yeah, from yeah. a Brockhampton record. It has that in little dribs and drabs because most of the record is incredibly down. It's not a bangers record. No, really. You can feel the the sort of the the creative energy in it, and you can feel the fun is under this deep deep layer of like sort of sadness, sadness yeah. and depression, and like a sense of betrayal. Yeah, and there's a lot of anxiety on yeah, this record because um, Amir Van fucked yeah. them over royally, and this is their breakup record. Yeah, and and he was the best rapper in the group. Yeah. So it's the least sort of hip-hop orientated, I would say. Saying that though, there's some fucking killer verses on this record. Some of them have really upped their game. Kevin Abstract is a fucking great rapper. Kevin was always like the second, sort of maybe the second best, and he's the sort of head of... uh, So he's now become the best rapper in the group. But some of the other ones, like Yorba, actually is really good. Um... He's one Joba. Joba, Yorba. Is it Yorba or Joba? Joba? Is it the, the guy with the shaved head but the, the, the daughter's haircut? Ah, the, 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 the sort of shitty hair. Joba. Yeah, Joba. Joba, he's great. And I love Joba's the... Joba's great. It, his, my favourite verse of his is the one that he did on Boogie where he's yeah. like screaming it. Oh, that's He's like great. shouting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, Joba has a lot of energy to him that's and so it feels good. like he can really... He can sing as well. That's the other thing. Like, you yes, can kind of yeah. go between those two things. But like... It, it does feel like they're focusing more on this core six members. Yeah. Like, uh, all their videos for this record are basically the same six people. Yeah. And they're all aesthetically very stripped down, but very creative and weird. Yes, yeah. And um, I'd say so far, there hasn't been a bad single from yeah. the album. Like, I mean, we spoke about it in the last one, but every single, mm-hmm. like the first four singles released yeah. pretty rapidly. It was like We're one all, a week for yeah. every week building up to the record. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, like, If You Pray Right, um, I've Been Born... I've Been Born Again is maybe the weakest of all the singles. Yeah, But probably. that's not saying much because it's still a great still track. Great, yeah. But uh, the If You Pray Right is killer. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And then, uh, like, Boy Bye was amazing. Boy Bye is so good. No Halo was a lot... Uh, like, a, a big... It's a bit of a swerve yeah. in a completely different direction because it's definitely more R&B orientated. Yeah, and it sort of gets you... Because that's the opener for yeah. the record. It sort of sets out what you're going to get in, yeah. in this record. But it's sweet and pretty. Yeah. Uh, there's something very, very beautiful about that song. Um, yeah. And like, and then you got like uh, Dearly Departed. Yes. Which yeah. was painful like it's really genuinely kind of painful to watch that video and like listen to that song because you can tell there's definitely an element of just like this is their catharsis this is them getting over it yeah so they've got a lot of melodrama in it there's a lot of melodrama in this record but that's fine because sometimes you need that you need a record that's a little bit hysterical Uh, (laughs) you need them to be hysterical for an album so that they can get it out of their system yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i can only hope that it's sort of like this turmoil palette cleanser yeah it's it it completely wipes the slate clean this gets it like it's them bleeding out the venom and now that's it done and hopefully the next record that they make it'll be another party banger record but it'll be like uh, yeah They've been reforged in the crucible of adversity and now they can make an even better record than ever before because yes. Ginger 
is an honest to god like sort of hip hop R&B masterpiece as far as I'm concerned it's great except yeah. for the last two tracks the last two tracks are the, the, the part where I think the album falls apart for me yeah okay. and it's because the title track Ginger comes just before these two tracks okay. then then what the fuck are they called again um, it's Love Me Love Me for Life and Victor Roberts are the last two tracks yeah they sort of go off the boil a wee bit yeah it's, yeah. it's a massive step down from the title track because aye, it's, aye. the title track has such a big crescendo yes. and it's such a beautiful you way to like close you feel like should have been the end of the yeah. record it's like you should have ended on this note it's such a high note to end on and then you've got these two other songs that are not as good but still alright yeah, right. yeah, they're, yeah. Still, they're still fine yeah. it's just they feel like an afterthought aye but yeah. Roundly fucking loved Ginger a whole lot. Yeah, it's really good. How does it compare to... Oh, heavens to Betsy. <laughs> How does it compare to... Um... <laughs> wait, wait. I have to get my stinker. Okay, all right. Yeah, sure, yeah. Get your stinker in. I'm sorry, but that new Friendly Fires record sucked out loud. Oh. Uh, Inflorescent, it's called. It's my... <gasps> Well, you've got to do your pitch shift. Yes, I'll do that in post because apparently I can't do it live because it doesn't record it. But Pig Stinker of the Month award winner. Pig Stinker. (laughs) It's, um, and the thing is, as well, I have no frame of reference at all for Friendly Fires. I have never listened to a Friendly Fires record before. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really sure what to expect, but it sure as hell wasn't what I got. Okay. I, I didn't know what they were meant to sound like, but what they sound like on this record is hellish i really 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 don't don't like like this aesthetic that they're going for there's okay i'm gonna do verbatim reading of notes because i was genuinely furious when i wrote this i feel nothing it's like listening to a band that isn't aware that their genre has died it just feels so dated it's a camp sort of indie tronica sound that feels so toothless and cold no joke, the beat on Heaven Let Me In in places feels like royalty-free music you would hear in a nightclub scene in a B-movie. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's what they're going for, but it sounds like shit. The cadence in your man's voice during the chorus for sleep talking, Will You Sleep, sounds exactly like your man on that Caribbean Queen song. So it's like, while you sleep, and it's like, Caribbean Queen. It sounds exactly the same to me. Um... <laughs> It just Fucking started frustrating hell. me yeah, because uh, I wanted to listen to Caribbean Queen instead. <laughs> There's just too much of that ba-da-ba-ba-ba shit in this record it sounds like they're about to say I'm fucking loving it <laughs> every fucking song has ba-da-ba-ba-ba-da-ba-da in it and I'm like no no it's 2019 we're not doing this anymore oh, please move on Indytronica and like that sort of stuff was perfected by LCD Sound System because they never once wore the moniker of Indytronica. They don't; they're above that, Uh but they can be classified as it. Then you're thinking of things like uh, like Claxons, but Claxons were way heavier and way more fun. They were indie and they had electronic influences. I don't know who was listening to Indytronica that sounded like this. But God help them, they need better music in their life. I, I remember the first two records, uh, I think my brother was quite into them, and, and they were okay. Mm. You know, it was sort of um, indie landfill at the time. Yeah. But they, there was there was more of an aesthetic towards sort of 80s holiday music, I guess. Sort of Calypso-y type. Yeah, you can, you can hear the Calypso you know, marimba sort of influence in it. It's just you like, know, it's, it's like, Club Tropicana drinks are free. 
it's basically like uh, or like or like something better like orange juice <laughs> or, or um, it doesn't those first two records don't sound like a george michael record <laughs> i don't know why i just sang that club tropicana is a better song than anything on this record yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you i yeah fair enough it's club tropicana that's a good song you know what else is a good song Caribbean Queen. Caribbean Queen, Careless Whisper. That's a... <laughs> as well. That's a good song. See all the songs that these bands are trying to ape, all that sound from the 80s. Uh-huh. You'd be better off just listening to the songs that they're trying to rip off because they're better. Yeah. yeah. Like, listen to a certain ratio record. Mm. Just listen to the best of a certain ratio. It's better <laughs> than this record, probably. It really, uh, it really did sound so fucking dated to me. It's like it that not dated in a good way. No, not dated in a good way. Yeah. Not dated in that way that they're like, we wish we were from the eighties. Yeah, it's like remember the eighties. Yeah, I fucking remember the eighties. I was born in it. Yeah, idiot. And I hated it I for that one year I was in it. John remembers all six months that he was <laughs> alive in the eighties. But also, I'm very fucking over this whole eighties yeah. wave, sort of fucking neon drenched yeah. nostalgia trip bullshit. The fucking Stranger Things shite that we've got going on. Fucking move on, people, please. For fuck, for the love of fucking Christ, we get it. Ghostbusters was a good movie. We get it. We get it. We get it. The Goonies. We get it. I'll, fucking shut up. I'm I'm waiting for that season of. Uh, Stranger Things it's all about trickle down economics <laughs> Lacey Fair Capitalism yeah. um, what they should do is they should do an episode about of Stranger Things for about 80s nostalgia that you know that you hear do you know that urban legend about the animator that was working on the Care Bear movie no and he's working on the Care Bear movie like one sequence for like a year and he hated it. <laughs> and then he got cut out of the film and he killed himself. Oh, no. That's that's what 80s nostalgia does to you people. <laughs> Do they still make The Simpsons? Apparently it's still going. Mm. Or it's corpses being trotted out every year for 28 episodes or however many episodes they do per season. Hey, speaking about corpses that have been trotted out... <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my god, that was a killer segue. Um, oh, this is. Oh, I feel so bad now, but it's, it's true, such though. a killer. Um, my my least favorite record this month is the new Iggy Pop record Free, which in my notes all I've put is a beguiling mess. <laughs> um, Iggy Pop, legendary uh, lead singer of the Stooges. Uh, he's released some genuine classics this, the first three Stooges records are great when they came back it's terrible <laughs> um, and some of his solo stuff The Idiot and Lust for Life they're great <laughs> he's always had a sort of quite spotty and sort of strange um, solo career for all of the sort of wild man rock and roll antics you'll then have an album of sort of French lounge music. Hmm. So he's always had a sort of esoteric um, musical taste. And if you aren't aware of the sort of strangeness of some of his back record, this latest record will 
will confuse you greatly. If you go into this record thinking it's going to be uh, Stooges sort of proto rock and roll antics, you're not going to get that. What it is is uh, sort of tone poems over sort of sort of almost like free jazz soloing of a saxophone mm. sort of soft electronica whilst Iggy recites either his own lamentable lyrics <laughs> which are terrible um, <laughs> or he does um, Under Milk Wood sort of Dylan Thomas right. does verses from that or pieces written by Lou Reed. It's strange, to say the least. It's it's such a bizarre record. And his voice, I like his voice. But on this record, for whatever reason, there's one song in particular called James Bond, which is not like any of the other songs on the record. This one is meant to be a sort of sort of silly, throwaway, sort of 1960s French pop song, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's terrible. <laughs> it's It has all the momentum in terms of the sort of electronic sort of backing. And his voice actually sounds like a Tonetta record <laughs> on this. And not in a good way. I love a bit of Tonetta. But you find yourself listening to it going, what the fuck was the thinking here? It's terrible. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's my, I'm not even going to, maybe it is my, um, and it feels so like, oh, because cause the last record, post-pop depression, was actually something of a return to form. Josh Homme produced mm. it, and there was sort of sort of interest and stuff on it. But this is just, in fact, it's not a pig stinker because it's at least experimental enough. Mm. It's like, what was the thinking here? There's some interesting things on it, but once again, this is just for the completists. If you got every other Iggy Pop record, all 87 of them or whatever it is, <laughs> and you need another one that's not very good, this is the record for you. <laughs> for me, it was a slog. The anticipation mounts. <laughs> Surprising absolutely no one. My album of the month is Fear and Not Kill Him by Tool. Fair enough. It's... It's everything I wanted a Tool record to be uh -huh. that took way too long to get to me. And as pissed off as I am at the fact that, yes, it took 13 years, it is very, very, very worth the wait. Okay. It's a perfect distillation of everything that Lateralis and 10,000 Days brought to the table with absolutely none of the flab of 10,000 Days. Okay. And that's saying something because the <laughs> the record is 80 minutes long um, without the three additional instrumental tracks that get added in the streaming. Is this album about a wedding as well? Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Um, no, uh, the the record has like a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Uh, clearly, from the title alone, fear uh-huh. inoculum. It's suggesting something of like sort of overcoming anxieties and like okay. working through stuff. A lot of it is uh, abstract in that way that Tool is known for and are very good at. And okay. the the number seven is a big deal on the record. There are officially actually only seven tracks, and it lasts like eighty minutes with those seven tracks. Um, okay. The three instrumentals are like three minutes long a piece or some shit like that, and it so brings it up to in, 90. Sort of interludes. Yeah, they're like interludes that add nothing. And the interlude at the end of the record, they put it after the last track, Tempest. Mm. They put an interlude after Tempest, and it's one of the dumbest moves I could ever imagine because the Tempest, or Tempest rather, and it's spelled with a seven instead of the T at the beginning, because again, the number seven is a big deal. Um, I, I, I've not checked this and I know for a fact I'm not a fucking musical expert so I don't understand uh-huh. this sort of shit I bet you they're working on things like 7, 8 time aye, and aye. like probably uh, multiples of 7 okay. time and okay. stuff like that I bet you that's what they're doing in the whole record like haven't looked into it but I bet you that's what's going on okay fair enough Um, so like yeah, those interludes don't really add anything. I was listening to the album as if it had no interludes. I was listening to the physical release, the seven-track physical release. Okay. And it's seven perfect tracks that wander around in beautiful ways. And, like, they've got movements, internal movements. Okay. As all good uh, tool tracks tend to do. Doesn't have as much dynamic range but it's definitely building in this uh like world of grooves they build okay. into like they go from grooves and then they build up from there kind okay of thing. that sounds interesting yeah and the record it doesn't deviate much from the sound that they've had for ever since like lateralis really but okay there's definitely more in terms of like danny carey the drummer he's killing it on this record like it feels like he got the most amount of input there's an entire song called chocolate chip trip uh that's like a drum solo and that's it okay, it's like a, right. a four minute long drum solo or something and it's phenomenal uh and maynard james keenan the vocalist like i've always loved his vocal style i was like really really like the way he sings but this album he's fucking killing it as well like he he goes tender okay in a way that i've never heard him really be before because he's always had that ability to sound more fragile like he doesn't do a big he can go down he can bring it down it's not all roaring okay ferocity. Right, he, he right. can sing very clean very very melodically but on this record i would actually say he gets genuinely beautiful in places okay like especially on fear inoculum when they released that single i was like wow he's this is like i've never i've never heard maynard james keenan have that much of a a, a lyrical flutter in right. his voice it's so so pleasant to listen to and it's mixed in with all this really crushingly heavy metal with all this mm. like amazing like uh sort of plodding grooves that build to these crushing big crescendos especially tempest tempest is a a roller coaster oh, of a right, track okay. and it just it's got it's actually got lyric a lyric that i want to get tattooed on me now all oh, right uh it's just a tempest must be just that 
is it just uh, Maynard James Keenan just keeps repeating that a tempest must be just that that. it's like that is this this is perfect that's everything that I wanted Tool to 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 bring to me after so many years in one record 13 years is a long time to wait for a record yeah and I understand that was them being big babies and also them dealing with legal troubles that they kind of got themselves into. It's kind of them to blame for All this. Right, okay. They're not... Especially Maynard James Keenan doesn't come across as a good guy. I, I think Maynard James Keenan's a dick. Yeah. Um, And all their shit about being like weirdly like Prince where he was like he didn't trust the internet and stuff like that. Yeah. Being like that and keeping your music off streaming services is so antiquated and dumb. Yeah. And I was so happy when the stuff finally made it to Spotify, but I was like, you guys not only missed out on money, if you want to think of it in those terms, you not only missed out on money, you missed out on exposure that you could have been having for 13 years while you were sitting on your ass. But on the but it, they did all go to I mean so many of those singles I, I I've never heard them but I know that they all went to the Billboard charts and the rest of it just because they were suddenly available. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, like the Tool fan base is very loyal and they are more than willing to make you uh-huh. make uh, make these singles that have been out for fucking decades immediately like back on the top of the charts because mm. like they're just that. They were that hungry okay. for Tool. Well, he's. I'd heard what I'd heard. The reason for the delay was that he, Maynard James, Keenan. Uh, it's he, he thought I'll get this album out because it's a uh, because he doesn't need to get his wine out at the moment. Yeah, it's all to do with the cycles of his grapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's he's, what that's what I'd heard. Is the he got yeah he's he's a, a vintner now. Yeah, um, and that's. I would expect nothing less from a guy who's as pretentious and cunty as Maynard James Keenan. Um, he is a massive cunt, and uh-huh. I, I don't really... I mean, he's been accused of, like, sexual misconduct in oh, the past right, yeah. and everything, so, like, I don't have any fucking sympathy for the guy. And he's very much the kind of... He goes on Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff like that. He's very much that kind of guy. Right, okay. You know the type of man. Oh, we know the type of guy. So, it's your album... But outside of that, it's your album of the month. It is an Uh, honest-to-God actual masterpiece. uh, So, it would be a very fine wine, then. (laughs) It would be... uh, What sort of wine would it be? Uh wine that doesn't taste like vinegar so like okay it wouldn't be a wine then it would be one it would be an alcohol that actually tastes good so not wine oh that's a hot take john doesn't like wine wine's garbage people drink something that tastes not like vinegar and pish you just not had the right wine (laughs) until now (laughs) i honestly i I would really really love to be in a wine but every white wine i've had tastes like vinegar and pish oh don't don't drink the white and every red i've had tastes like vinegar pish and trees yeah i'll we'll we'll do a podcast where i'll drink wine with you (laughs) um i'll get you some decent wine um shock shock news the the wank (laughs) on the podcast likes a likes a glass of wine um i'm a gin and beer guy i'll tell you what i'll i'll listen to this album and i'll tell you what type of wine it is okay okay 
I'll because I've never heard Tool, so I mean, yeah, you're gonna have to. I, 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 like, it's not gonna be a, like a book club recommendation because it's too new. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just absolutely insist that you okay. listen to this record. I'll, I'll definitely it's... listen to it before I come up with my top ten of the year list. I don't think it's gonna appear anywhere in your top ten. Well, I don't. I don't. I really don't think you're gonna fall well, in love know. with Tool. You never know. Um, you kind of are a Tool fan, or you aren't. You don't right. really become one. Fair enough. You're, you're just born a Tool fan. Hmm. It's weird. I, I honestly don't think there are many people that would convert to liking Tool. Okay. You just well, kind I mean, of always I mean, like them. Okay, I'll give it a go. Or you fucking hate them. And I think go. you might hate them. Well, but, we'll um, see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. So. And so we get into the. The, um, the book club. Yes. Let's discuss what we recommended each other this month. I'll let you start this thing because I started yeah, last time. Yes. Uh, and if we finished on me, it would end on a sour note. <laughs> yeah, I'm fascinated um, to see just how much you hated this record because I imagine it's going to be a lot. So, the album you gave me was Wisconsin Death Trip uh, from Static X. Yes. Um, from 1999. Um, so, Static X... You'd taken me to see them. Um, I don't remember that. I also don't remember that gig. <laughs> um, they're a sort of industrially new metal band. Um, and even at their prominence, they were never the top tier. No. Um, what is most distinct about this album is, is his vocals and the the actual instrumentation on it and I um I I I enjoyed this album probably the least out of all the ones you've you know, we've listened to uh in this book club section. Um not actually because it was that bad <laughs> but just because on repeat lessons uh didn't provide anything additionally mm. you know when i first listened to the coheed and cambria record the first time i hated it <laughs> and then the second the third time i was like there's bits in it i i actually like mm. with this record it's just sort of samey yeah and then on the second listen i didn't get anything else out of it the <laughs> third listen i didn't get anything else out of it so i was like well it's not it's not improved, it's just stagnated with yeah. with every subsequent listen. Look, the, the actual the music on it, it's very dated. Mm-hmm. Um which okay, if it was made in nineteen ninety-nine, I'll give it some sort of leeway. Um but it, even by the standards of the time, I think it sounds dated. I think the biggest issue with the album is they're not distinct enough as a band. They sound to me very much like a sort of one of those also bands. Yeah. So you've got the heavy hitters for industrial metal or new metal, and then you've got this also band. <laughs> and they're very formed by their influences. So you listen to the record and you go, well... I've heard Ministry do better. Mm-hmm. I've heard Nine Inch Nails do le- better. 
he's taking the vocals from an early corn record. It's sort of very, <laughs> you know, it's sort of very much a sort of patchwork of influences. And it's fine. Yeah. It's, I didn't particularly enjoy it, but I didn't particularly hate it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I could go through the tracks... Again, the um, feeling there's not going to be enough variance in them. There's, there's probably not enough variance. I mean, for example, my notes are um, basically with every single track, I was just going a little bit of ministry here, a little bit of Ramstein here, a little bit of corn, mm-hmm. um, squelchy guitars, vroom vroom, very Ramstein, very corn. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much my notes on the record. <laughs> Um, the the track I liked I did like some things in it I liked some of the sort of artificial noises that were going on in the background um, but the production is a little muddy yeah it's oh, not yeah. very well produced yeah at one point uh, in the song Stem I started to think is that a Bjork sample in the background that they've messed with uh, and that piqued my interest, but then I got bored again. <laughs> uh, then basically, the whole album is, I'd is, say is sort of one note. Yeah, oh, very much so. But like, I'd say like I Am and Stem are like the two best tracks on the yeah, whole record. Yeah. Like, Stem sort of breaks that monotony a little bit. Yeah, it's sort of, you get used to the sort of squelchy squelch yeah big guitar <laughs> and then the, vo- the vocals come in the, the song i like best i like i quite like stem then it gets a bit boring yeah um i quite like the last song i quite like december mm-hmm. it was the least new metally yeah of all the songs it's got a slow sort of nice synth start um, it's the longest song, and then he's it, got these sort of nice jagged synths come in about halfway through. So it's probably the most purely electronic song on the record. It's the most Nine Inch Nails like of any of the mm-hmm. songs, um, but it comes too little too late in the record. Um, yeah, seeing all that, it's not like horrific. I didn't want to. No. I, I could get through it three times, <laughs> but it was background music. Mm-hmm. You just hear this sort of anonymous sub, yeah. s- sort of sub Ramstein, <laughs> sub ministry electronic shite. It's genuinely probably one of the heaviest records that anyone that was into new metal at the time had ever heard. Right, okay. Like, that's the one thing it had f- okay. going for it, I'd say, is, like, it bridged that gap of being... It, at the time when I was into new metal yeah, and stuff, it was genuinely, like, one of the heaviest things I'd ever heard. And that's not really I saying mean, yeah. much for the times my frame of reference was so small at the time. Yeah. That's probably why Static X captivated me in such a way. And that, like, later on when they, like, developed the sound a little tiny bit, they started to have, like, bigger singles in yeah. that. And, like, there's some, some, some tracks I mean, out there that are all right. okay. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely nothing special. Yeah. Definitely it feels that way, like, looking back at it. Because I was, like, 
I'm actually like trying. I'm trying to make an effort as well to listen to the albums that I give you to, yeah, to yeah, listen I've, to it as well. Yeah, I've tried to do just to try and refresh yeah. my memory a little bit as well because I did not remember Wisconsin Death Trip at all when I recommended it. It was just because all oh, that shit with Wayne Static coming back for the dead. That's that's more interesting than the yeah. album. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's a there's a great documentary in that yeah, yeah. scenario. I want to know who Zero is. I want to know who Wayne Static's death mask is. Yeah, like, and, and how what. How the fuck have the family went? Yeah, fine. Yeah, that, they, we're, we're okay with us. Yeah, they're fine, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's of its time. And I asked... Because I met, I met your Argentinian reporter, mm-hmm. good friend Jamie. And I told him... I've known Jamie for years and I asked him... I'm, having, I'm listening to his Static X record. <laughs> and he said... He said, you know, it was fucking dated when it came out. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, you can hear it. You can totally <laughs> hear it on the record. It's eh. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be too negative about it because I genuinely didn't hate it. <laughs> I just thought it was I mean it is kinda loathsome in a way though. Like it's it but it's not like it's not like went out its way to annoy me. It would be a solid one and a half farts out of five. <laughs> You gave me Meat Puppets mm-hmm. 2. Yes. From 1984. It's um, <laughs> Cowpunk. Yeah. Cowpunk Americana. And it's definitely not like anything I've really ever heard before. Yeah. It's it's it goes fucking hard in places. Like it's it's good fast punk stuff that I like you can say it is analogous to other punk. Yes, yeah. But it's definitely got a weird sort of bluegrassy like definitely in, in places I was like, this is like a bluegrass track that has punk guitar mixed in. Yes, yeah. Like just somehow it just feels like it's been fleshed out with some electric guitar. And that's not and that's not a negative. I thought it was like weirdly captivating in places this album, but it's also this is maybe the album that you've given me so far that I find the most patchy. Okay. It's right. the it's the one that I really enjoyed in places and thought was painfully boring in others. Okay, yeah. Um and again I did a kind of like a a track by track breakdown, but eventually the track by track breakdown breaks down. Yeah, and uh, I stop being able to say specific things because it feels like the album kind of does it stays in place for a, for a little okay. bit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it opens up with "Split Myself in Two and that immediately was like, "This should not have been an album you like right out of the gate." Yeah, because the guy's vocals are weird. And hard to take. Yes. And I thought you probably would have got pissed off by that. I don't know why you're so into this album. I don't know. Yeah. But I after listening to Split Myself into multiple times and then trying to listen to the rest of the album, I was like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. It's like he uses this weird thing in some of the songs where it's like he's intentionally letting himself go out of tune. Yes, yeah. He's like, Halloran. He's like doing that yeah, kind of thing yeah, going on. Yeah. And it's like it's a bit obnoxious, but it totally, totally works for the yeah, song, yeah, yeah. for the music that, that that they're making. I was like, it was a bit of a, a bit of a hurdle at first, and then immediately I was like, I, okay, I'm fine. It's like, have you ever listened to a band clap your hands and say yeah, yeah? And it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, um, that guy's voice is very much like 
it's like someone's voice is breaking the whole time. It's like, yes, yeah. Ah, like that kind of thing going on. But it's like, again, it totally works for them. Um, It goes a fucking mile a minute. Uh, split yeah, it's, like a, into, it's almost like a thrash record. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it opens very, very strong with that. It's like, it's a yeah. real, real fucking fast, thrashy kind of punk track right out of the gate. Um, And the, those, those nice, like, fast paced, breathlessly kind of atonal vocals really uh-huh. add a bit of character to it. Magic Toy Missing. Again, another mile a minute track with like really a lot more emphasis on the bluegrass elements. Yeah. Um, Lost, more subdued, uh, and it's a legit country ballad. Like yeah, just go straight one, country yeah, for that one. That one's a lot more ballady. Um, I did, that was kind of that was the beginning of me sort of seeing the there's a trend in the album right. where it's like they'll go hard a little less hard and it becomes a little bit more country-ish yes, yeah. and country music doesn't really do anything for no, me no so that's where it started to sort of fall apart um plateau so the- uh the bass is punchy as fuck is what i wrote um yeah plod and swagger and bass is punchy as fuck i think that's where it got really it was like it was like a weird yes like yeah. rattly effect they had on the bass it sounded amazing Aurora Borealis. Aurora uh, Borealis? Instantly tickled me because it's called Aurora Borealis. I know, uh, Steamed Hams have ruined that <laughs> album. You can't think of Aurora Borealis without asking. <laughs> you could you could even see the actual Aurora Borealis and it would be ruined yeah. by Steamed Hams. Isn't it majestic? <laughs> Why isn't it localised entirely within my kitchen? Yeah. Uh, it's cool instrumentation's really solid uh, but it feels like the most superfluous track so far okay We're Here uh, feels a little bit flat I don't uh, even remember that one yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after the mix of high energy bluegrass punk and chunky grooves that preceded it it also just sort of abruptly ends okay. like the track just sort of stops midway through it feels like they kind of just didn't write an outro or like yeah the, yeah. the idea just finished and they were like okay done we're done with that yeah. Climbing brings a bit more of that country balladry again, a pleasant track, but it definitely feels like the record has run out of gas by this point. The chaos in front of the first true track, first few tracks is sort of vanished. Has a sweet guitar solo though. New Gods explodes out of the gate with a big second wind for the record, fast as fuck, and yeah, uh, get that great. crunchy guitar back. Uh, another short, uh, punchy, wailing kind of guitar solo that's going on. Like definitely, it feels like the the album got more guitar solo-y as it went on as yeah, well. Like, yeah. it, it, like less straight-up punk and more into, like, uh, taking the, the nice sort of solo-y kind of stuff that you get in some country. Yes, but, like, yeah. again, invigorating it with a bit of punk and, like, electronic, electric yeah. aesthetic. Oh, me, so th- it slows things down again. It keeps that bit of bite. Dirty bass and a big-ass mood. Uh, falls right uh, nicely right in a groove in the last third and lots of great guitar work Lake of Fire is a great song oh it's great I love it very very noisy lot of like fucking wailing walls of like electric guitar and stuff going on yeah um, oh it's and great it's a very it's a bizarre track lyrically it feels really really uh, menacing yeah uh, like obviously yeah. it's alluding to hell Lake of Fire or that sort of stuff like that feels very much like... But it's got a sort of... Sw- the actual song... I'll t- maybe I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but the actual... the I've sung that when you... R- I've got... 
young child I've got a young child and when you run out of songs to sing them in terms of lullabies yeah. your brain just looks for <laughs> something that's got a sort of lullaby quality to it yeah. so I have found myself singing Lake of Fire 2 <laughs> you know what would have been at the time probably three month old and then you find yourself because you can you know my partner would hear me on the monitor downstairs yeah. going, where bad folks go when they die, they don't go to heaven where the angels cry. And just like, but it's just sort of sung in a sort of nice lullaby sort of way that almost makes it more creepy. Yeah, yeah. that's. I think that's where I felt that sort of menacing, like sort of insidious evil yeah. about it. It's like there's something very, very creepy about that track. So, so don't sing that to your children. <laughs> Despite it sounding sweet and lovely, yeah. that's that's your takeaway audience. Don't <laughs> sing it to your children. It's a nice contrast and that sort of fits that bluegrassy kind of side of things very yeah. well where it's like you can take something seemingly quite upbeat and or innocent and turn it into something quite uh, scuzzy or slimy. Yeah. Uh, I'm a mindless idiot the third instrumental track and another hit with great guitar work and a sweet wee groove. The whistling song, a little bit of strut to this track. It's a lot of fun, but it feels like a kind of like a little bit of an anticlimax yeah, for the end okay. of the album. Yeah. Technically the end of the album because there's like six other tracks after yeah. it that I didn't listen to. That's like a, said that. Yeah, that's like the, the CD, they, they released the B-sides. They're, they're fine, yeah. but they don't really add anything. So I would say overall, it's... It feels like if there was like a cha- if there was a choice for it to maybe remove like three of yeah. the like sort of slightly more subdued tracks from there, no, even the instrumentals because instrumentals were always a lot of fun, but the really the slowed down more country orientated tracks, if I were to lose them, it'd be an amazingly solid album. Yeah, but those tracks really detract from it in a okay. weird way because it kills the momentum of the album a lot. Like it sort of it feels like even the instrumental tracks have a little bit of a. A, a flow and, a, and yeah. a swagger to them but um yeah it's a really solid solid album and not at all uh like in a genre that i've ever really directly experienced before yes, yeah. i mean the only uh, like analogous band like not specifically uh cowpunk but like it sounded like like gogol bordello Oh, like yeah, 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 gypsy okay. punk like yes, that sort yeah. of weird like sub 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 genre yeah yeah uh, it feels like it's a little bit of that where it's taking so many influences from like uh slightly tangential genres okay yeah. and coalescing it into something that sounds completely different from everything else i kind of like that i like bands that kind of yeah. experiment with stuff like that and turn it into something completely new and weird yeah i, I thought you might like uh so i think i think the ones that i've given you so far have all been quite um esoteric mm. so i think just to prove that i don't just like weird <laughs> subgenres, i'll give you something really mainstream really rock really classic rock that i know you won't have listened to <laughs> uh went to see the cure recently so i've been in a big golf ballad mood mm. i won't give you a cure album but i think i'll give you Ocean Rain by Echo and the Bunnymen. Okay, okay. Echo and the Bunnymen are, a, are a, an interesting band because they, they did that thing that a lot of bands in the 80s do where they start off as sort of um, a little scuzzier, a little more post-punk, mm-hmm. and then they have huge pop singles. Um, and in a, in a fair world... At a certain point, actually, what people forget is Echo and the Bunny Men at one point 
could have been and were competing against U2 at the time. Really? Mm-hmm. So when U2 were having their big singles, this was when this album was out. Uh, Ocean Rain, probably about 1984 again. So in an alternate reality, they could have beaten U2 mm-hmm. and become the biggest band in the world. They didn't do that. Uh, whether that would have been good or not, you know, you can't know. Um, but this is probably them at their biggest in terms of pop and well not probably more classic rock but it's definitely it's, it has an appeal to a sort of broader mainstreamer audience yeah and it's great it's it's i just love it it's good it's good record he's got a lovely voice and it's it's just a great bit of just sort of golfy classic <laughs> rock so yeah I think, I think you think you like it I want to I want to recommend the self-titled album by Giles Corey. Giles Corey. Yes. Okay. It's not. Uh, it's not anything I can really place in a genre, and that's kind of why I wanted to go for it at some point because I was like, this album sort of. It's singer-songwritery. Okay. It's mostly acoustic-led, but it's got a lot going on in it okay cool and it's so fucking miserable it's unreal yeah uh it's the guy who uh is like the main guy from have a nice life right that band that sort of like uh navel gazy kind of like shoegazy oh i see okay post-punk kind of band but like uh Giles Corey is his side project and it's mostly acoustic stuff but it's all based around an idea of death and a fascination with the afterlife okay. and the Giles Corey name comes from the man Giles Corey who during the Salem witch trials was accused of being a witch right? and he got pressed to death with stones oh God, it's all right. and the only he had chance a chance after chance after chance to deny that he was a witch but every single time he was given the chance he just said more weight and they pressed him to death oh dear. So that's where the name comes from and as a result you can tell that a lot of it's sort of uh fascinated with this occult sort of uh, right, cool. these ties okay. and the album when you buy the vinyl which i did because I fell so thoroughly in love with this record that I had to buy it. And okay. like, I went you know, I went on eBay to get it and it comes in this big, big box and it's got a book with it. Right. And the book is written by the, the guy, I can't remember his name, the guy for Have a Nice Life. And it's it's really, really, really miserable because it's basically him toying with the idea of killing himself. And okay. like he is massive, he is a depressive in real life, and he has attempted suicide in real life. Okay, uh, and he does have these sort of suicidal tendencies, but he's turned it into this sort of worked shoot where it's like it's kind of real and kind of like part of this weird fiction that he's toying with. Okay, yeah, and he uses this thing. It, and the book's entirely about him finding about out about a cult leader, right? Okay, uh, and this cult leader has his followers use these hoods and they put these hoods on and it restricts their breathing to such a degree that they basically are closer to death than they are to life while they're wearing them. 
All right, okay. So as a result, they started to be able to commune with the spirit world. Right. And they are communing when this sort of like occultish kind of uh, like... Uh, this uh, this a uh, weird idea that you're just you're blending the two worlds together. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating concept for an album, and the tracks are haunting to say the least. Okay, and you can feel the the concept bleed through in a lot of them, but most of them are just literally morbid ballads. Uh, sounds like it would be up my street. Okay, yeah. cool. So yeah. it's yeah, it's a dark one, but it's good. It's cool. uh, I, I, a legit masterpiece as far as I'm concerned I love it alright cool yeah I'm looking forward to it never <laughs> heard of it okay that's it for another month but like I said we're actually going to follow this one up a little bit quicker because there's just so much to talk about we've yep. we've, I think actively not spoken about some stuff because we know that we're going to have to tackle it in, yep. the, in the broader spectrum of September as a month of releases because there's yeah, a lot of stuff coming there's a lot of things coming including the new corn record <laughs> can't wait man new corn um, record new jpeg oh yeah yeah um what else uh that new post malone record came out today i uh, know not today yesterday you're gonna listen to that <laughs> fuck no i've never listened to it shall i listen to it i don't know should i uh I know he's like uh, he's one of his emotional rappers. He's a sad boy. Sad boy. Or is he? I don't know. Is he just like a pop rapper now? Like he has all the trappings of a sad boy. He's got the face tattoos and the shite music. Uh-huh. So like, is he a sad boy or is he something else? Is he a SoundCloud rapper or is he mainstream now because he does collaborations with big time fucking pop? Can I acts? can I do the can I do the dad joke about Post Malone? On you go. When was it Malone? <laughs> I'm sure everybody's done that yeah. joke, but there you go. Post Malone. Fuck it, I'll listen to it, right? <sighs> I'll I'll jump in. I'll jump in arse <laughs> <Oz> first. <laughs> And see if I can sit through it. The nice thing, I suppose, about the young people music mostly is, oh God, no, could he? Could Post Malone put out a seventy-minute album? <laughs> I actually don't know. I don't know how long Beer Bongs and Bentleys was. That was his actual only main record up until this point. Beer Bongs and Bentleys. It's funny how new metal has had an influence. Yeah. Subsequently, like we're of the generation that. Like we're old enough to then be embarrassed by new metal, whereas Post Malone's generation were susceptible to new metal <laughs> at a pre-adolescent age. Beer bongs and Bentleys is eighteen tracks long and an hour and four minutes. Oh my Christ! Hollywood's bleeding is his new one, okay. and it's seventeen songs and fifty-one minutes. That's doable. It's, <laughs> he um... says right now. <laughs> God, he's... God, he, lo- he looks like he needs a fucking wash, man. A lot of these young rappers do. I'd, it, if you're not you the guy... The, if you're not fucking Mastodon, you shouldn't have face tattoos. You miss the days of, uh, you know, what nice white Adidas trainers, <laughs> a washable leather jacket, run DMC, nice hats. Yeah. Um, it's like... 
the aesthetic for SoundCloud rappers seemingly is you look like you fell through a barrel of shit and needles. Do you remember that episode of Nathan Barley where <laughs> um, Julian Barrett falls asleep in the pain? Yeah. And then runs to the hairdressers? <laughs> Yeah. That's the secret influence, I geek think. Geek pie. Geek pie. The geek pie aesthetic. Yeah, with a bag on your head. <laughs> um, and it's it's got the single greatest um, single of all time. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking By about. By the bikes. By the bikes. <laughs> oh. Was that, did they actually release that as a song? Or Not was that, that I'm just, aware of. Because they, sh- they could have made Oh, yeah. Of, that is such a good song. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this episode, make sure you listen to Terrorists Are Gay <laughs> by, by the, the Bikes. bikes. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to that on my way home. Oh my, I'll link it in the description. It's so <laughs> if I can find it on YouTube, which I suspect I will. So that's the full that's it. That's we're done. Yeah, we're done. I think. Yes. Uh so yeah. Uh, listen to more music. And join us next month in a couple of weeks' time, probably, uh, for for more. So check the links in the description because yeah. there's plenty of good stuff to listen to and some not-so-good stuff to not listen to. Uh, and have a good one. Yes, see you soon. Bye.